Unmistakable evidence has established the fact he is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds. Welcome to the Truth 316 Podcast, the place that we honor that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Our prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Good evening, everybody. Um, As Matt has confessed, I am Thad, and he always tends to dump hard topics on on me, it seems like, but uh, that's good. Um, I actually, a topic that we've been talking about with the, uh, within the the pastors a little bit over the past few weeks, and I came in on the tail end of it, and it seemed like we kind of harmonized um, our thought process, and so that might be good. But when we're dealing with the uh, angelic realm, the spirit realm, and the things of, of God that we can't see, A, sometimes it makes us very uncomfortable, um, but B, we want to make sure that we're handling it you know, according to the scriptures to the best of our ability. And so that's what we're going to try to do. In fact, uh, I told uh, Pastor Matt that this is going to easily be a, a two-week topic, and so with that, we're going to start off a little bit slow and ramp ramp up in, into the uh, stuff that is very, very questionable or very hard to, to understand, and so that might be a, a good thing. But let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this week. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for calling us to yourself pray that your hand would guide us through this class and these difficult topics, that it would be your word through which your truth comes to us, that we would handle it with care, and that uh, it would be in harmony with all the scripture that you've given to us, that we'd be very careful uh, not to have contradictions, but Lord, to use it not only in a good manner, and in a perfect manner, but also to your glory. So pray that you would lead us in this class, that your spirit would uh, guide and direct us as we Go about it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been uh, here at Cornerstone, for those of you that don't know me, just for a couple of years. I, uh, probably four years ago, I was here for six months and then went back to the old church and did some more teaching and then came back here. So Cornerstone is now home for the past couple of years, like it or not, for, for some of you. I know Steve has a hard time with it most of the time. But uh, we've been working together as uh pastors and teachers and and, and some of us around here to gather up the fundamental teachings of the Reformed Doctrine of of Truth. And the the harder that we work to put that together, the less progress it seems that we make sometimes. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to say about the topic that we're covering when we're dealing with with angels and with uh, giants and whatnot is that in the Reformed community, that is the Presbyterian Reformed um, those things from the Reformation Protestant teaching, uh, there's varying opinions. And they're orthodox, which means that they're getting their opinions, even though they might differ, uh, from the scriptures, and every and both parties might be trying to handle it as carefully as possible. So what we're going to do uh, as we go throughout these next couple of weeks is try to handle it 
just according to the scriptures, not sway too much uh, on opinion. You're going to hear my side of it, and I'm not ashamed to, to say which way I might lead one way or another on these topics. But it's up to you guys to do your own homework. And if you don't like something, you know, write it down and figure out what you don't like about it. And if you want to write a letter to, to Pastor Graham and say, you know, this guy's office rocker, that's totally great. I want to be refined, and I think we all do, as, as we're honestly seeking God's word, right? Um, so some of you have been in my class before, and it's open format. Just, you know, just speak up if you want to be heard or raise your hand or, or whatever. Anytime, uh, this is meant to be fun, I guess. Or for, for one of us, it's meant to be fun. Anyways, you know, Pastor Matt was talking about the uh, the angelic realm last week, and he was starting to segue into it. And remember, he was talking about many gods or many Elohim that the scriptures speak toward. And you know, for those of us that believe in one God, the Triune God of the scriptures, and we hear about many gods and, and things, we we all of a sudden can cringe and get very uncomfortable. And that's, that's kind of a good thing to be like that. But we also want to understand what are the scriptures telling us about these other so-called gods. And when they're referring to it, are they speaking of, you know, the angels or the angelic hosts? And we know that we can take the scriptures and look at it and say, hey, there's seraphims, there's cherubims. So there's different species of you, if you will, of, of the angelic realm. And they have different rank, right? We have angels, we have the archangel. So he's given a little different rank. So we have a lot of things that are going on here. And then we also have these mysterious scriptures that we're going to get into where we see it, or it appears that the angelic realm is messing around outside of their habitation, their natural habitation, which would be heaven. And this is going to be something that we'll look at. So we want to remember that God's ways are higher than our ways. Um, but that doesn't mean we get to ignore our topic. But it also means there's some things that we can't understand. Um, or the Bible doesn't explain it fully, and that's okay. We can just leave it there. We're allowed to let things be intentional. We don't have to understand. In fact, we can't understand all the things of God, but we'll do the best that we can with it. And then um, when, we, when there's no more information given, then we have to stop. Otherwise, we're going to be you know, left speculating. And speculation is good for some things when you're wrestling with stuff, but then to always come back to our solid foundations. So does this remind anybody of, of anything? Here we see some uh, of the Greek gods, and then at the end there we have... An altar to the unknown God. Paul in Athens. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So when Paul is there in Mars Hill, he uh, is speaking to people, and he's going around, and he's saying, "Hey, this look at you guys. We have uh, you have all these idols and or these gods, and I see that you're worshiping. These are good, but you have this unknown altar. And so, what does he say to him? I know that. Yeah. So he's going to say, hey, "I'm going to identify who this unknown God is to you." Right. So let's take a look at the scripture in Acts and says. Uh, then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, uh, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with, is, with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. So the Areopagus, um, also called uh, Ares, uh, the hill of Ares, the god Ares, or Mars Hill, uh, which it's uh, sometimes uh, pointed out as this is in Athens, as was pointed out. And he's getting ready to say that I see that you're very religious in your ways. So what do you think Paul is, is, is going about here in this beginning of this conversation? Yeah, yeah he's meeting them on their terms, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, so is, is Paul affirming that there's many gods and many true religions? No, he's just recognizing that on their behalf that they are doing this, right? And, you know, the fact is, are there many religions around the world? Yeah, there are. There's, there's a ton. So, I mean, he's, he's taken some of this truth, and then he's going to redirect their, their views here. So there's going to be one true God, and he's going to direct it to them. And so here's what he says next. He says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. So what's, uh, what's Paul's qualifier, his first qualifier to the true God? Creator. He's a creator, right? So, right, he's a creator of all things. So all, all these other gods that they're talking about have different functions and stuff, but there's this one God that Paul is not pointing to, and he's the creator of the world and everything in it, and he's the Lord of heaven and earth. And then finally, what else? What doesn't he do? doesn't dwell in temples. Right, he doesn't dwell in the temples made with hands. And this is kind of interesting because, I mean, in the Old Testament, the Lord does tabernacle in this, um, in the temple that's made with hands in a sense, doesn't he? So there's a little bit of a, a skew things going on here. But what would be the, what would be true in the case in Paul's, in Paul's time about the temple in Jerusalem, for example? They worship in the temple. Yeah, and does God still live in the temple? Still, Does he still tabernacle there? No, this is after Christ, right? The veil in the temple was torn at the crucifixion, and God is no longer present there, so God is, God is gone. So he doesn't, he doesn't dwell in the temples made with hands anymore. So that's part two. So he's just doing, again, a qualification here on who the true God is. So he's the creator, and he um, is not dwelling in this physical temple that was made with hands. Nor... Is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives life to all, breath, and all things? So any thoughts on this? What does it mean that he's not worshipped with men's hands? Created. Sorry? Created, like people have created their own idols. Yeah, 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 right. So, so people are forming these, these, these idols and then, and then they're worshipping them. Exactly right. Anything else? I'm surprised he's not hung up, or not hung up, but um, strung up by the other people who believe that their gods did that. Not Paul's god that did everything, you know, because you got some people over here. Yeah, well, they they were so multi. Um, they, had, they had all these different gods, so they're just learning about this other god. They're probably not believe in him wholeheartedly yet right and so he's just making this proclamation but it's going to get worse before it gets better for these people and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and he's determined their pre-appointed times and their boundaries of their dwellings all right so walk me through this what's what's paul saying here he's in control of everything mm-hmm. yep and particularly the people right any uh, any possible things that might make people a little bit upset? He's basically saying nothing happens without them allowing it. Right, right. Yeah, in the pre-appointed times, right? So that's right. And determining their times and their boundaries and their dwellings. So these people are all very territorial. They're coming out of Rome and, you know, the, the, the Roman world is ginormous at this point, right? And before that it was Greece and, and so on. And so... The whole, the whole scheme, there's, he's pointing out, saying, hey, no, God's in control of all, of all of this. So anything else? Okay. Yeah. Well, I think 
Okay. So you guys are probably thinking, this, what's this have to do with the angelic realm, right? I mean, what does this have to do with the spirits and unseen things? But really what I wanted you to see here is, is the boundaries for their dwellings. So we're going to hold on to that thought and keep it in reserve for a little bit. Yeah, for, for now. I always want to get so far ahead of myself. But, all right. So, that they should not seek the Lord in the hope that they might uh, grope for him. I'm sorry, so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So, Pastor uh, Graham has been continuously saying throughout all of this that Israel was to be the nation and that they would be blessed, but they were also to... Right, to be a blessing to all the other nations, right? And so this is kind of hand-in-hand hand with that, so that uh, this true God is being made manifest to these people that they might, you know, long for that same true creator. And it's, he's saying that he's not far from each one of us. So God is, is kind of always there. He's either confronting or, you know, convicting and people are ignoring or they're attracted to. Most of the time we're ignoring. If it's up to our own nature, we're going to be ignoring him or resisting him or hating him, as the scriptures say. All right. Now, Paul says, says to him, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of, you, some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now, Paul, you're driving me nuts here. You know, quit telling these guys that you agree with them you know don't you see this but who's he speaking of here for in him we live and move and have our being the one true god that was the unknown god that the altar was made to this is the this is the one so he's not saying that this is some real god but what he's doing is he's making manifest this true god and who's the creator of all things and who is also the sustainer of things giving us us breath and then it, but then he says, you know, your, your poets have also said that we're his offspring. So, I don't know, does that make anybody else mad like it makes me mad? It kind of makes me mad. Now, is he agreeing with any of their forms of worship? No, he's just, he's just basically saying that um, all mankind comes from the hand of God. So, there's, a, there's a one sense that all people that have ever lived are from God's creation, right? We're children of God. But there's another sense that we're not truly a child of God until what? How do we become? Yeah, until we are born again or we're adopted of God. And then we are, so there's only Adam was the first creation, Adam and Eve, right? That was the true son of God until he fell. And then there was another son of God, right? The second Adam, Jesus Christ, right? So those are those are the true sons of God. But to us he gives us the right to become the children of god as well so another another thought there so before we go any further any just thoughts or anything that you want to chat about yes here's he's trying to establish some common ground someplace to go forth from um in other words meeting people where they're at and then taking them on to christ right and very good example of evangelism mm -hmm. yeah and it's okay because on some of these things, I mean, some of this doesn't sound like he's agreeing with, um, he, he's, it almost sounds like he's agreeing with a lie, but he's, he's not, right? He's just, all he's doing is he's basically saying there's all the truth that we have, any aspect of that truth belongs to the one true God. And we can say that too, even when an atheist scientist is, is making a proclamation, as long as it's in agreement with God, 
they're speaking truth, right? Just because they're an atheist doesn't mean that they're lying all the time. It's just that all truth belongs belongs to God. So that's a great point. And he's using that unknown God, even though their perception in history may be totally different of that unknown God. Right. He's using that as a foundation, but not committing to it because of their perception. Right. You don't know this guy, but this is. Right. Yeah, he's referring to their unknown God, whether they're thinking it's that or not. Yeah, they have no clue who the real true God is, and they don't even, you know, probably, you know, care. There's just all of these so things, and you're exactly right. He's he's saying, hey, this is the real the real deal now. Therefore, since we are all since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by man's devising. So there's this therefore statement. Now Paul's bringing it all in. Since we are the offspring of God, we not we may not to think about these these other things. So it's not about the uh, the material objects, but it's a it's a spiritual truth. And he starts excluding all the other gods that they've created in their own image, right, by making this statement. And he's going to call to a form of worship that is only toward the one creator of, of the true God. What's he calling for? Let's take a look. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given, us, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Oh. Okay, this is the, <laughs> here it comes, right? This is the big wallop upside the head. So just when you guys think you're, you're doing good, what, what's he basically saying? What's the first thing that he say, says about God? He's going to judge. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not only, only going to judge, but he's, gonna, he's, he's, he's commanding you at this point. Now, this, this unknown God that I'm telling you about has now given you a command. And you have one or two options. You can follow it or you can deny it, right? But here's what happens. If, it, if you don't, you're going to be judged, right? He's appointed a time. Not only has he appointed all the men and their heritage and their lands and their boundaries, but he's appointed a time for judgment, right? This has got to be making some of these guys squirm, right? This is... He's also saying through their ignorance, celebrating their other gods. Right. So say that. So say that one more time for me. He's acknowledging their ignorance. Yes. yes, he's saying you are ignorant because you worship God yeah. that aren't gods. Right, right, right. Exactly. And what has he done with all with all the other gods at this point? He's he, yeah, he's totally yeah, he's made them obsolete. They're not they're not gods. Um, they're not real gods. They're not the true god. Right. So yeah, big big time thing. And, and judgment is coming. So the call of God is to repent for all men everywhere, or judgment. And, and it's, it's interesting because he hasn't really explained to them um, anything except for this creator guy, but who else is introduced in this second part of this? Yeah. By the man who he has ordained. He has given assurance. What's the proof? Yeah, the resurrection. This is, this is the key element here, the resurrection. So by this point, they probably have heard of the, at least the rumors of the resurrection. Any thoughts? All right, so then there's this other point where um, the people that are in, in Corinth are, some of them are having trouble. They're, they're either coming out of their, their Jewish heritage 
or they're trying to just be um, good, pious Christians, and they're having trouble. And Jesus will actually call them, you know, the, the, the weaker, the weaker brother type of thing, you know. But uh, Paul says that these, or he's explaining that these, these sacrifices that are being made to idols, and these people are having a hard time dealing with it. Right, and so this is where this the story is going to, because people that are Christians can't really, in good conscience, associate with a heathen temple. Yet they're walking through the market and they're seeing this meat that has been placed out that had just been sacrificed to these pagan gods. Right, and so this is the, this is the catch. They don't want to be dishonoring their Christian, their true Christian faith. So Paul says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. So he's just introducing the topic of things being offered to idols here. So he's going to clarify now. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. Oh, okay. So they're offering him idols, but it's, it's really nothing, right? And that there's no other God but one. So again, now don't forget we're in a different group. He's not talking to the, to the Romans. He's talking to the, to the church in, in Corinth here. Um, so two things. One, an idol is nothing. And there's only one true God. For even if there are um, so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. Okay, we... This is why we get mad at Pastor Grimm, right? Because he, he's, he, he's introducing these many Elohim, these, these many gods, these many lords, like Kyrios. I mean, we have one Lord, Kyrios, Jesus Christ, right? And, but he's saying even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, and then he qualifies, he said, I'm not just making a speculation here, as there are many gods and many lords. He's, he's saying that there are. Small, 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 small. Yeah. Small g, but it, in the in the writing, it's the same. It's the same writing. It's it is. It's it's the, it's theos, right? And so you have theos and you have kurios, and whether they're saying it or not. I mean, we we have that because the authors put it small, right? But you know, when you're when you're talking about this, you don't. They can't see the inflection of how you're saying it. Or uh, let's see here. So, but it, just well, I guess I was just going to point out here, whether in heaven or on earth, he's talking about God. So, I do want to say one thing. So, when we talk about gods, remember when Jesus was talking to the, the Pharisees and stuff like that, and he says they were getting mad because he said they told, basically, they were, he was calling himself God, and he says, well, God already said that you guys are gods. Do you remember him saying that? There was a context that in which he was using that. Wasn't that the authority rank? inside the society right so as judges they, they call people god sometimes and this is the three these are the kind of the three different options that we have as pastor uh, grim mentioned last week is that we have the uh gods that are um let me let me put this differently the sons of god that we'll be getting into in a little bit um whether they're angels whether the sons of Seth, remember there's the two different, the sons of Seth and the sons of Cain are the, the two different views of the sons of God or the sons of men. That's kind of the godly line would be the sons of Seth. And then the third option is it's also mankind, but it's in a rank of judges. All right. And so these are the three that we have to kind of always have in our, the back of our minds as we're looking at this topic. And it's, it'll get more confusing before it gets clearer. And then 
it may or may not clear up. We'll see how we, how we go. Um, but again, he's talking about in heaven or on earth in here. So something in heaven, there's, there are these gods and there's lords. So let's keep moving through this. Yeah, sorry, go Steve. Um, here's a thought, my thought um, that comes to me when I'm hearing everything you've got to up to this point. It seems like Paul is addressing worldviews. Um, worldview being defined as the grid that you interpret what's coming into you. Like we're Western, we don't believe in this stuff. Eastern people believe. So they, we look at a hummingbird and say, well, that's a cool hummingbird. They look at it and say, that's grandpa or something. Totally different. And then um, and if in your worldview also, not only do you interpret what's coming into you, but you it also guides you on your actions and what you're trying to do. So if you accept that, Paul's you know, going to the educated people in Mars Hill, He's coming to you know Corinth, you know a city state that's very um, well known and powerful, and challenging their worldview. Um, that's my thought. Yeah, that's a good one too, and it's and it's a it's an excellent historical look at it because I mean, I mean Corinth was a city of some wicked stuff, you know, as before they started to have the, the churches, their, 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 their life to, Corinth, to Corinthicize is the same as basically saying the Sodom and Gomorrah type aspect, right? So really wicked, so their, their worldview is correct. But now here uh, Paul is actually speaking to the brethren. So he's, he's qualified and he might be, he might be uh, straightening that out for them from their worldview as well. Uh, but he does basically still, so what do you make of the, the many, even in this world, heavens and earth, many gods, many lords? Well, again, that's the whole purpose of, of, of what I think you're doing. You're, you're saying, listen, you know, the traditional Orthodox view that we all think of is, is one thing, because we don't really talk about it or acknowledge it, but let's look at what the Scriptures actually say. Here, 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 and here, there's a lot of stuff going around. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I got you. challenging our world. Yeah, right. The reason why I bring it up. Right. No, that's right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, anything else? So, just to clarify what you just said, um, let me reiterate it to you. So, Paul here um, sounds like t to you that he's dealing with. Um, a pre-existing worldview for these people, in, in an essence. So far, so good. And he's correcting them towards the one true God. But what do you do? So when he qualifies it, though, as there are many gods and many lords in heaven and on earth, he's qualifying that. So he's basically saying that there are. He wouldn't be re-emphasizing the fact that that's a, a truism if it wasn't, is my point. I guess where I was going with I just want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing or not. You know, and, and I don't, you know, someone else can jump in, but all of us are pretty much, you know, you know, I'm not 13, I don't see any 13-year-olds in here. We were all educated, you know, yeah. basically the same way. We, my education going back was, 
you know, Athens had five gods, Rome had five gods, this city, every city had their gods. They all thought that their god was related to someone else's god. They didn't have trouble moving back and forth, but they recognized that whole spiritual, stronger beings helping to rule the, the you know, the the rain and the sicknesses. Right. Everything right. had a spiritual. Right. Yeah. Like the, everything had a spiritual God that was helping them, and they, they believed that. Right. I don't, but you're saying, well, you should because you know there are spiritual beings. So that's why this is interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. Good. Right? Perfect. Good. That's the type of tension that I like. Perfect. Anybody want to add or subtract? Or I'm just reading the scriptures right now. No, but I'm, I, I, the reason I asked for the qualification, I just wanted to make sure that I was hearing them properly because there was, it's, and this is this is where um, I want to make sure that I'm not convoluting anything. But this is a this we're still in the introduction for the next 75 slides, so. <laughs> Stick with me, but anyways, this is this is going to take us um, to the next step. So, so I, I appreciate the point a lot, and and I'm not even saying that I disagree. I just wanted to make sure I understood. I don't even have an opinion anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, so good. <laughs> we have all right. So now, so let's just take a look because also we're doing looking again is looking at the we're trying to get into the spiritual realm a little bit and like I said it's it, it gets a little bit weird and some of the stuff we've heard so many times um, we're good with it you know we we have these visions of, of um, you know angels you know floating around and we see we see the scriptures of God in his throne and this is what we have here in Isaiah's encounter but I mean it's it's really wild stuff to, to be real because we we can't see it i mean we trust it because it's the scriptures but when then all of a sudden it starts integrating into the natural world like in demon possession uh, we don't like it so much anymore right i mean especially if we're talking about well demon possession in that period of time is okay but what about now or whatever the case might be so we've all heard this before it's a it's an amazing um scene here but isaiah and isaiah 6 um goes before the throne of God and it says that in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above it stood seraphim each one had six wings with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one cried to another and said holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory so, I mean, we've, we've all heard this before, right? And uh, we have this scene with the Lord sitting on the throne. And this is, in a, this is in a heavenly realm. And we see that there's seraphim around the throne, encompassed around the throne. And so, again, they're just uh, creatures. God created them. But they're there kind of as guardians of the throne. And they're just professing the most prominent trait of Yahweh, that he's holy, right? People say God is love, right? He's righteous, he's a judge, but there's only one time in scriptures that it ever gives it in threefold, holy, 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 right? And some people will say this is a reflection or kind of a hint towards the, tr the Trinity and stuff like that. It could be true, but there's, there's emphases in the, in the scriptures 
Um, and even Jesus will use an emphasis um, repeated twice sometimes, and he'll say it sometimes before he speaks. He'll say, truly, truly, I say unto you. What's the word for truly in the Greek? Anybody know? Amen. But it's in the Greek, amen, amen. This is what I say to you. That always comes at the end of something that somebody says, you know, people agree with it. Somebody says something that's, that's true and correct, and everybody goes, amen. Jesus was, he said, I'm going to give you new, new, new insight here. Truly, truly, amen, amen. This is true. So there's, this is coming from a voice of authority. But when it's used three times, it's just, you know, really emphasized. It doesn't get any stronger than that. So this is the, his biggest trait of holiness. What's um, Isaiah's reaction to this when he sees this scene? Yep, yep, exactly right. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We see this time and time again throughout the scriptures, and uh, we could kind of think, you know, we'll go before the throne and, you know, or, or in the presence of God, and we'll be like, man, this is just great, but the the reaction of all these people that are in front of the Lord and in front of Christ, you know, remember when Peter recognizes, he realizes that Jesus is Christ, he's like, get away from me, you know, I'm, I'm a sinful man, right? And we see these guys that just fall to the ground, it's like they're dead, and this is what happens with Isaiah as well. It's a recognition of how sinful we truly are. Um, so my eyes have seen the king, the Lord, that's the Yahweh phrase, of hosts, the Lord of hosts. What is hosts? Which is, yeah, right. Exactly. Host refers to a gathering of angelic creatures, right? These are celestial bodies. And this is who he's the Lord of. So he's the Lord of his own creation and, um, the uh, and Isaiah is recognizing this. So, I mean, when it speaks of the host, it's either speaking of these celestial beings or the angelic beings, and both are kind of intertwined uh, together. But again, there's different categories, so the, it could be either. But um, then, of course, we know that uh, this angel comes. It's, an, it's one of the seraphim that flies and touches him on the lips with a hot coal from the altar. Right? This is in heaven, by the way. Um, takes this live coal and touches him on the lips and says that your sin has been purged. This is just to talk about the scene, but this is allowing Abraham now to um, be responsive instead of just being in shock and awe. Again, just a, a means of explaining uh, the angelic realm. So this is, this, is, this is the larger reality that we don't see. Now let's move into our first phase of the sons of God. Um, this is where Pastor Grimm started to take us, and this is probably, in the Reformed community, this is the point where we get into two major points of view, and I'm totally good with either either one that you have, support it with Scripture. There's going to be some things that I'll, I'll point out that um, apparently, um, I, I won't say apparently, to me, um, give evidence towards one side or the other just because of the the results of, of where we get to. And you'll understand that in a minute. I know I'm kind of talking in code, but 
I'm just trying to not give away my my uh, my position just yet. Did anybody have any thoughts about our questions so far about the stuff that we've talked about, the Isaiah incident, the angelic realm? Is everybody good with the existence of such things? Okay. So I think what Pastor Matt was saying last week as well, maybe it was the previous week before that, but actually it wasn't Pastor Matt, it was me that said it. Remember I, some of you were in the class here with uh, with me and I was going over um, the land of with Abraham, going from being called out of the year of Chaldeans and then he went up to um, the northern Syria and then he came down through Israel, right? And we'll talk about that, but as we were talking about some of these things, the land has all these characteristics with it that are that are filled with these um, different uh, tribes of people, so to speak. And so these are the views that we're looking at. In Genesis chapter 6, this is at Noah. Um, we talked, I think Pastor Matt mentioned uh, last time, it speaks of uh, Noah being perfect in his generations and, and then these... Um, these eight get on the boat and they're the only ones that are saved through water and it was kind of a some symbol of baptism at that time as they're saved uh, through the water in this ark that was provided. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves all of whom they choose. So let's just handle it a little bit at a time here. Um, what's being said, men are being beginning to multiply on the face of the earth, right? Pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, and daughters were born to them. So, I mean, being specific of daughters being born to them, I mean, they didn't have sons. I mean, this is kind of a strange thing. So something is being um, said specifically here. Um, daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and took wives for them, for themselves, all of whom they cho chose. Okay, so what have, what have we heard, thought, believed about this in the past? It doesn't sound right. I mean, intuitively. So, from an outsider, you know, it doesn't sound right that uh, the sons of God would marry daughters. Right. Well, who are the sons of God? Are they angels? Okay, so we're making, so the first assumption is that they're angels, right? Okay, so that's that's one point of view. So I do have a question. Yeah. These fallen angels, do they live forever? I mean, they've married the daughters of the humans. So the the, the question is, do they do they live forever? Fallen angels. Yeah. That's a good question. Good question. Yeah. In the big scheme of things, um, does uh, do does man does all of mankind live forever? Make it through. Oh, eventually, or yeah, of course. Right, not not right, not physically, right. So not physically, but we're but whether you're saved or unsaved, we're all going to live forever somewhere, right? So the angelic realm that was that was created uh, um, does as well, but that doesn't mean they don't go through some disciplines and transitions along the way and it, I know it's going to be next week because <laughs> we're not going to get to it now but uh, we will we will learn more um, 
about some clues to how they went about doing this, if this is indeed the angelic realm. So that's, that's option A, is that the sons of God are angels, right? And then the other option is that the sons of God are the sons of Seth, which was the godly um, lineage of, of mankind, at that, as opposed to the sons of Cain, which were the ungodly. And so this is how a lot of people in the Reformed community I'd say probably heavily weighted that, and I haven't um, done enough research to know. So, I, but that the daughters of men are from the daughters of of Cain, and that the sons of God were supposed to be in the lineage of godly men that weren't supposed to be messing with people that weren't of the one true religion. Okay, that's kind of what that is. In fact, the scriptures are pretty clear that you're not supposed to marry outside of your 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 faith, right? Unequally yoked, right? Which is speaking of oxen, not eggs. Right, how they're to be together. You're supposed to have two oxes, never an ox and a donkey together, or whatever that that imagery is. But um, yeah, Mike. If, if, it, if it was the sons of Seth, mm-hmm. and that would be more of a natural relationship, why would they bring attention to it like? That? Why does God bring attention to it like He does in this passage? Well. To answer that, I'll ask this. Is there other places in the scriptures where um, the Israelites um, go out and they start marrying off uh, other women from other cultures? They do, right? So we have historical accounts where this, where this does take place. And what was the reason that they weren't supposed to marry women from outside the culture or godly people? They weren't supposed to marry out. Right, because they were going to be enticed. To, to go up and worship on their, on their on those altars up in their mountains to other gods. And so, yeah, so it does happen. And so that's that's the answer to that question and, and that. But um, so, so with that, in other words, these aren't fallen angels from heaven. These are basically humans that are in a zone that don't marry outside your zone. That's the second that's the second view. Yeah. Like the second, the two views you say. The one is angelic and the other is human. Right. Yeah. I don't get it. The first one you don't get? I don't. You don't get the angelic. Otherwise, the angels live forever. That's a man is appointed once to die. Yeah, we all live forever for those who believe, but not that you we are appointed once to die. Mm-hmm. That view I get this view though. Yeah, and that's great. I mean my thought is um, this is Genesis six, so it's it, I'm assuming that it's pre-flood, right? So this is happening before the flood. The genealogies for that time period back then are like unbelievable, hundreds of years. I wonder if that has anything to do with that. So when you say, I, I think what I hear you saying is, well, if a an angel who never dies um, bears um, children to a human who does die. Does that child live forever? No, the, answer, the answer has to be no for that. Right. Yeah. But the child. But the, the 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 father, the sire, he has to continue to live. Unless unless it's like one of those movies we saw where they has to choose if he goes and mates with the woman, then he loses his his. Uh, that's Hollywood. Hollywood said that. Well, if this the angel basically would say broke ranks 
from heaven and now are no longer in the heavenly realm. Now they're in the earthly realm, which is full of sin and so forth. I mean, would that seem like now they're they basically left the farm and now you're off the you know you're out? Yeah, and I think the answer to that um, that we'll see if we stay with that perspective of of angels um, that there's that there's plenty of places that we'll see some judgment come into on the angelic realm, whether or not this is speaking of that. Okay, so um, not to take not to really take a, a side right now, but let's just keep examining it, and we'll take the and take the next one. But by the way, this is this is the this is the debate. Okay. But if they are angels, I'm not saying they are, but if they are, then they're fallen angels, right? Because they're Right, because, yeah, they're, whatever act they're doing, it's sinful, so it's going to be fallen angels, right? And so, and not only are they fallen angels, but not all of the, if this is fallen angels, not all of the fallen angels behave in this manner. And we'll see why on that in the months ahead. <laughs> Okay. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. This is a never-ending, you know, conversation. It really is. But there's, but we're gonna do. We're gonna see things in scriptures that I'll guarantee that I never read before. I, I mean, I know I've read them a hundred times and I didn't see them. And I, and it just, it's just crazy. You know how it is. You know, you, you can some of your favorite scriptures, like oh, I never saw that before. Yeah, exactly right. Right. So okay. So we know our two views um, on this, and all we've done is read this these first two verses. <laughs> all right. So this is the, the word, the Hebrew word for the sons of God is B'nai Ha Elohim. We've heard of Elohim. Elohim is, is where we get our word God or gods from, right? And even though there are many Elohim, which the pastor was talking about last time, B'nai is son. Um, ha is just kind of like this like article thing. It's, they, they, they say ho sometimes. I don't know how you get H-A with a line over and say ho, but it's uh, B'nai Ha Elohim. And the daughters of men are B'nai Ha Adam. What's Adam? Well, it's Adam, but what does the word mean? Man, right? That's where we get man from is the word Adam. So when, when God created Adam, who does it infer that he created? He, he created them both, Adam and Eve, right? There's man and woman. When he creates Adam, the, the, the two are inferred to Adam. So it's exactly right, mankind. Um, so B'nai's uh, sons, um, God, this is just going back here. Now, the one thing that's interesting about this scripture, and I'll say it now and I'll say it again um, in the days ahead, but the, uh, the only time that when I looked this up in the scriptures um, and did my search, there's not very many times that it's used, first of all, but it almost always appears to be talking about a direct creation of God, in the very least. Now, Adam, as we talked about before, was a direct creation of God. But what about us? Are we direct creations of God? We are sons of, in our natural state, we're sons of Adam, right? So this is, this is how these words need to be used consistently as we look back at the sons of God and the daughters of, of men as well when we're, when we're looking at this. Um, so again, the daughters of men and... So, yep, go ahead. Wait. So if I just caught you right... You're saying that if you put that interpretation, then they couldn't be sons of. They would, they would not be supportive of sons of Seth. It would be son. It would be angels because they were created directly. Is that what I heard you say? That is exactly what you heard me say, and I 
think that that is the problem, um, and I think this would be admitted by the people that believe it's the Sethite program as well as the weakness in their argument, if there is one, okay? Everybody, you know, when it's like looking at the book of Revelation. How many views of Revelation? <laughs> More than you can number, right? But, um, but a lot of those views, you can have, let's say, the four different views, the primary views, but you can still be orthodox in those views because you're trying to handle the scriptures as carefully as you can, as consistently as you can. But there's still, in any scripture, at any given time in context, how many correct interpretations are there? There's only one ever correct interpretation, and it's the, it's the interpretation that the author intended. Now, that doesn't mean there's not more than um, just one application, right? We know that we can apply things differently, but when we're dealing with the interpretation, there's an intended reason for the scripture. Now, I know what Steve's going to say is that sometimes more insight comes in later on down the road, because we talked about this before, right? Was that just a couple weeks ago that you, we, we, we sat there and talked about that? And that's, that's true, but that doesn't take away from the original interpretation. It's just added revelation to enhance it that shows, like, for example, the fulfillment of Christ that they didn't understand in the Old Testament. Okay, so, but it doesn't change the original intent of it either. Um, that's my, yeah, go ahead. Could start with God be referring to people that weren't directly created by God, but spiritually the sons of God, not physically? That's, yeah, that, yeah, right. Um, yes, and for sure that's a truism later on. We'll look at that. Um, and that would be, again, that would be part of their um, interpretation on why it's the godly lineage of Seth. Okay, yep, so right, right on. And by the way, I am no expert on any of this, so I'm going to stutter all the time on, on these types of things. But if I don't know, I'm just going to say I don't know. Otherwise, I'm going to make something up and you guys can figure it out for yourselves. But um, <laughs> try not to do that. Um, just trying to, when questions are asked that I'm not really sure if I usually am just trying to grab in some other scriptures that, that might support it to, to make that answer. So, but think that's probably the answer to that question so whatever we're looking at here we're seeing a difference some type of difference in fathership aren't we because we're dealing with sons and daughters of two different manifestations either Elohim or Adam whatever that means now it came to pass and this is when it gets interesting when it came to pass and uh, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters, okay, and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, how they were beautiful and took um, wives into themselves, all of whom they choose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be uh, 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. So, so what's what's being modified? Yeah, the Nephilim, the giants, right? So let's back up before we get to that complicated part here. Um, uh, what about the 120 years? Oh, before they were living like Methuselah. Okay, so 969 from Methuselah. Um, I believe it was 120 years from that prophecy that the flood came. Right, that's correct too. Yep, and that's that's the that's the that's the first part of this being true. And then after that, after the flood, we see a, um, a gradual um, decrease in age to about the 120 limit. Right. So both both are true, and that's why um, we can say that. But they're 
but it's interesting how the Lord here is um, speaking about his spirit shall not strive with man forever. Okay, so there's there's that twist, and that's when he qualifies the 120 years. So I'm not exactly sure. I have no opinion on that. Um, I think they're both right. Well, what is shall? This is a question. What does shall not strive with man forever? What, what does that mean? What is, what is that referring to? I don't know. I was hoping you didn't ask that question. <laughs> any, any any thoughts? This is right before the flood, so he's getting exacerbated because of uh, of all his sin. Right. It's multiplying, and, and he's almost done with it. Well, right, and that, and that's and that's um, perfectly said, I think, and that leads to the Lord saying when it says He repented that He ever created mankind to begin with, type of thing, right? Which is not, you know, saying that God changed. Mm-hmm. Okay, as far as the striving goes, yeah. So in that vein, uh, that's okay, and that that needs to be, you know, definitely talked about sometime, but. Uh, but okay, so here's the deal. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward. So this is after what? In those days, and also afterward. Yeah, right. Giants on those on the earth in those days, and then also afterward, right? And this is uh, certainly what we'll see later on, because we know in Israel, which is post flood. Um, they're going into the land and they see giants, right? So, but then it qualifies it here again when uh, the Bnei Elohim came to the daughters of men, the Beno uh, de Adam, um, uh, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, um, the men of renown. So, this is the interesting thing: is that somewhere in this now, giant is the word that we get um, from, from the Greek, because the Hebrew word we know as Elohim, right? It was you that said that it was, um, uh, that the Elohim are, are, are the Nephilim, I'm sorry, the Nephilim. Um, and uh, the giants, even though they were giants, we call them giants, is a, is a word that we get from the Septuagint that Pastor Matt was talking about last, last week as well. But we still know that there's a genetic change in these people, right? We know this. We know that this is one of the things. So the fact that they are giants um, is kind of a key that you wouldn't think just because, I think this is the one another issue with you know the Sethites uh, being with the daughters of Cain, that it's gonna create this big genetic issue. You know, particularly, and we're not talking about a hormonal change. We're talking about a genetic change in, 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 these, in these creatures. So, as far as their size go. How do you know that's true? What, what, is there evidence in the Bible that says that? That genetic? Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to get to it sometime, mm -hmm. or it's already been done. I missed it. No. Well, you might have missed it, but I know it has not <laughs> Everybody tell him that he missed it. <laughs> yeah. The reason is that the, um, when, 
When we see um, hormonal things um, go on, I think this is going to be the first scientific explanation that I have no idea what I'm talking about, but when we see hormonal things um, happen in, in, in people that grow real, real tall and stuff like that, like the giants from Guinness Book of World Records, remember Robert Waldo and the guy that grew up to be nine feet tall and all that? Um, what happens is, as they get older, do they get stronger or do they get more frail and weak? Frail. Right. And we don't see this in these people. We see them getting stronger, faster, and, um, and all of that. Plus, we see issues uh, that will be qualified uh, that they are six, six-fingered and six-toed. Um, and this is something that kind of goes around throughout um, all of the legends, including the American Indians. So... That's why I said that. I'm just saying it. Well, it would be better if you said Genesis 4, 16. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the Bible, the, the Bible is not a... Then yeah. I would accept without yeah. doubt, but I didn't hear that. All right, well, I'll retract that statement for now then. Chuck Missler on YouTube, he talks about this for about an hour. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm going to retract that part of the statement. I'll, I'll withdraw the question, judgy. <laughs> it's good, though. I'm, I like being. You know, that's that's a, that's a very fair point. You know, so that's that's good. You know, you just don't say stuff flippantly, and I did. So yes. I, I got a question. I guess it's semantics. It says those were the mighty men who were of old. Now, are they talking about the giants? Or are they talking about the children that were born by the sons of God? Both were the same statement, I believe, you just said. Okay. Yeah, so, the, the, those, so the, the children that were born between these two, that was the offspring were the mighty men of, of, of renown. Okay, so, that, so they're, they're referring to the giants and the sons, and the children that were born by the sons of God are the same thing? Offspring. Yeah. Offspring. Right. Right. Which is different than the angels that committed the problem to begin with. If it was angels or the Sethites. Yeah, this is like the, uh, the, the the religious offspring of of Shem, right? Uh, yeah, of Seth. Yeah. Yep. Seth. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Nope. That's good. Yeah. Okay. yeah right. Of the Canaanites, really. If that were or of, of of Cain. So yeah. So a lot of a lot of things to keep. Um, the ball's juggling in the air on this. So let's just take a look. I'm, I, I'm almost able to get out of here. So I'm going to kill Matt. No, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is fun. That's fine. It is. It's good. It's good. No, it's good. But it is a tough topic. And so when you deal with these things, especially when, no, especially when you got two good views that you have to, to wrestle through. So, but anyways, when it, like I said, when, when we get through these very easy portions of Scripture <laughs> it, and to the more difficult ones, it'll, <laughs> it'll be better. All right. Okay. So, oh, and you know what? Just going back to this, so my spirit will not strive um, with man forever there. Um, God is to the point that we said that he is uh, relenting that he even made man to begin with, right? To, to say, I mean, it says something like that along in the scriptures. But it also shows that God, to an extent, when he's dealing with mankind, will um, 
if people are going to keep going down this road of depravity, he just turns them over to it, right? And we see that in Romans 1, don't we? That he turns them over to a debased mind. He just says, all right, this is, this is your deal, you know, now live with it, you know, reap your rewards of, of your sin. And we see that happening with men that separate from, from God's natural moral law as well as his, um, I won't say those that belong to God, but just the mankind that, you know, reject him and his, and his truth. By the way, Nephilim is the, is the word in Hebrew, and the fall, I think Pastor Matt said this as well, but it, it means fall or the fallen ones, right? So it does interpret those that are um, uh, those that don't belong to God, in a sense, in the, in the name. So remember when Job has his little issue, <laughs> right? And he's got these buddies that come over that are kind of there to comfort him, but they're just beating him up, right? They're just giving off. They don't know what they're doing. Even his wife is saying just, you know, curse God and die, right? And But Job is kind of defending God the entire time, saying, no, hey, he brought me into this world. He'll take me out. You know, that's however, however that goes. But eventually Job gets a little bit fed up after all these time sitting around the campfire and these sores and scraping his sores and stuff and he gives God a little bit of a piece of his mind kind of just venting a little bit but you come into to Job um, chapter 38 and God gives his response and it says this then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind and said who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge wow I just was a little bit mad, you know, look at my life, you know, but he's, he's, he's going to get the biggest tongue lashing that's ever been given in history here. And it says, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Job, can you imagine God setting you down and saying, here we go. Now you're going to answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To, uh, to what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Ah, interesting. This is the next part where it says, B'nai Elohim, the sons of God shouted for joy. Right? Well, who's he talking about here? Morning stars saying together what's morning stars this is actually something that could be um, referred to as angels as well you've heard that before the uh, lucifer star of the morning and then you got uh, it could be physical stars um, beginning with venus which is the the bright morning star right and then you have the other celestial bodies but it could be speaking of both as they kind of um, job is a, a poetic book so it could just be um, speaking of the same thing together in two different tones here the morning stars and the sons of god b'nai elohim are seen are, are seen together at the creation. Well, who was there at the creation? The angelic realm, right? Right. So, I mean, obviously, you no, know, Job wasn't there when this all happened, and he has no clue. Neither did the other guys that were there with him, right? Um, when the morning stars sing together, and all the gods and uh, the sons of God uh, shouted for joy. Now, let's go. This is um, this is Job thirty-eight, but let's go back to the beginning. We've got five more minutes and then we'll be done. So now we're going to go back to the beginning of Job chapter 1. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. 
So there was a day when the B'nai Elohim came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. This is, um, again, uh, why I would recognize these or would attest to these as being the angelic realm. Right? He's, God's calling him forth, and I'm not sure if he would be calling um, the Sethites into the assembly, and Satan decides just to tag along with these guys and the council, and there's a, there's a contrast in how that infers. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, Especially when they said that humans can't see God face to face in the world. Yeah. Right. So they're coming before the heavenly throne room, obviously, here too. Um, although I'm not sure that that says that, so I better be careful I say that in front of Steve. They're just uh, coming to the presence of God. So angels in general. And uh, the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So he obviously was called to a heavenly realm because he was talking about walking to, to and fro on, on, on the earth, right? And walking back and forth upon it. What does Satan do when he walks back and forth on the earth? What's he look at? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's a, the New Testament reference. That's that's kind of taking it right from from this book here. So Satan's roaming the earth, and he's he's up to um, trying to corrupt mankind. So this is not to get into the whole Job story or anything like that, but um, just a, again the aspect of looking at the sons of God. We've looked at. The, the Genesis account um, a couple times where it's the B'nai Elohim and now we've had it three times in Job well twice and then in the Job 38 Job 1 and it's also again in Job 2 later on when he calls them back and it's the same same type of setup so that's where we're stopping for um, at this point and we'll come back um, next week and, and pick it up and get into the into the meat and potatoes of, of what this looks like when uh, we see Moses uh, and, and Israel come out of the Exodus or out of Egypt and the Exodus into the land. Any thoughts? We got some time for thoughts, questions. Well, I got one. Yeah. Um, sons of God um, uh, shouting for joy. Okay, that is a moment. Here you got the same thing, sons of God, but it's present with Satan. So that tells me that those sons of God were not fallen angels. They were the Lord's servants. So, um, and you got other sons of God that were fallen angels that were going down and messing things up. Um, are, is, is, do these, so there's no hard and fast um, rule of interpretation for that term you have to look at the context is that would that be a fair statement um it, it is a fair statement so far um what we haven't looked at um yet is some of the other writings and how they interpret that exact phrase that's why we have to come back next and time. yeah <laughs> the word angels <laughs> Right, right. And it's getting that because um, of the Septuagint uh, writings, which is the 
the Greek translation of, of the Hebrew used as, as such, right? And so, and also um, some other books that aren't biblical but historical, like the Book of Enoch. In fact, we could talk about that. But if you want to do it on your own time, it's pretty easy to find because it's Genesis six and it's uh, the Book of Enoch, uh, chapter chapter six, that uh, talks about the same thing. And it gets a lot more descriptive, but it's definitely referring to angels there. And that doesn't mean anything. It's not scripture, but it just it just says that somebody else in the in the past was was taken it that way as well. Well, I really don't um, need to make the beef on this. Uh, well, maybe I do about the um, the angel thing uh, or, or fallen man. the The big thing is going to be the Lord's promise to Israel has everything to do with a particular people and a particular land that boundaries are given to, right? Just like we talked about a couple weeks ago with Abraham coming out and being called into the land of the Canaanites, right? And then he passes through, he gets a glimpse and he says, you can take a look, but your people are going to be in Egypt for 400 years, right? Remember, that's that was that whole thing because just one thing after another. But don't forget when he comes through, um, the land where the Canaanites were, he comes through Bethel and he meets king and priest by the name of Melchizedek, right? And this is the high priestly king of the order that Christ comes through, right? Because there wasn't kings and priests, it was only kings or priests um, in, in Israel. So all of these things that are in particular to this little piece of territory that's the size of the state of New Jersey, right? And this particular land. And so when we see... Um, verbiage, particularly in the book of Revelation and some other places, but when they talk about the land, they're talking about the land A that's flowing with milk and honey, right? And they're talking about the promised land, which is to God's elect people, which in this case so far has been Israel, right? And it also goes into the, the coming kingdom of the new heavens and a new earth. So there's all these promises that are realized, and it has to do not only with people, but with the territory all that belongs to the Lord and all that he created. So those were, that's where we'll go next time. As long as they obey all Yeah, well, absolutely. And they didn't, how often did they do that? Never. Yeah, they did it for about five minutes one time, <laughs> right? But that was the whole reason of the discipline. That's why the Lord divorced them. Amen. He divorced Israel, right? Remember, and he says, you guys are going out to, it ends up in the New Testament being called the dispersion, the dispersa that you'll see at the time of Acts. Um, it's, it's crazy, I mean, but he always saves a particular group, a remnant. That's the word I was looking for. He always saves a particular group of people called the remnant, right? That is um, the, the promise, not only of a group of people, right? And we see the same thing because of all of Israel, I'm going to finish this up right now, and all of Israel, um, of God's nation of Israel, where all of the people in that congregation of bloodlines saved, or, or God's people saved? No, they weren't, right? What about in the church today? Is everybody the, the is church, are they saved? No, but the congregation goes through, right? That's the wheat and the tares aspect of what we have. And why that is the way that it is, is obviously because mankind has fallen, but God allows people to be people of the covenant, but not necessarily saved. And we'll see that in the aspects of um, circumcision, and in baptism, I believe the church here, Presbyterian style church, uh, does infant baptisms. Any elders? Well, we do them all. So we're but but in, but include include infants, right? Yes. Right, right, right. 
And so, and so the Reformed Baptist people would say, no, it's by confession, so it's not uh, pedo-baptism, which is baby, but it's credo, based on the creed, you have to be able to testify. That's kind of my background. I don't care, either whatever. But it's all these little elements that um, are just so particular to, to God's promise and his covenant people and the territory. So, good enough? All right, let's pray. Well, Lord, uh, thank you for uh, this class and thanks for the great um, input from everybody here and the thoughts of, of, of the godly people who uh, have your glory and your honor um, at the forefront of their minds that your word would be lifted up and held truthful. Lord, and some of these topics are difficult and I have no problem admitting that I, don't, I do not understand it uh, uh, for sure perfectly, but sometimes there's, there's parts of it that I'm not sure I understand at all, but here we are wrestling with it because it's your word, and I think it's important uh, for us to lay some foundation work as we move into next week uh, where we see your promises come to light in uh, bringing your people into the promised land, Lord, and how that might pertain to uh, the future promises that you have for your people. Thank you again for this time. Pray that you'd be with us the rest of this week. Help us to be a light in this dark and perverse world around us that we might share your gospel truth with the world around us because, Lord, it says that we're to be a blessing to the entire world. And so we pray that that would be and flow through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody.